Well, from convoy controversy to conservative party intrigue to a Canadian rocker's Spotify ultimatum, it has been a busy week in the headlines. Joining me to talk about all of it is Tristan Hopper of the National Post. Welcome. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I guess we should start with the convoy because we've been talking about it ad nauseum for the whole week. Uh, you took a pretty interesting look at the demands and uh, sort of, quote, openly calling for a suspension of Canadian de democratic rule. I just wonder what you made of the whole thing and through the course of the week and just the the strange demands that were coming out of it. Uh, this basically, um, this is what people should know before you're going to start a giant protest, um, is that uh, you may, and I do believe the organizers here have the best intentions. Uh, they're like, oh, we're just going to you know, drive peacefully to Ottawa and we'll make our demands and, you know, they'll listen to us because we're being reasonable. And, you know, finally, they'll get a chance to listen to us. But the thing about having a giant protest is it's essentially a magnet uh, for anybody with an axe to grind with the government. So you can very quickly um, see your protest movement be hijacked uh, or entered by all kinds of people. Uh, but anyway, with this uh, particular protest movement, so initially the media reports on Freedom Convoy 2022 initially were saying, oh, well, they're protesting the cross-border vaccine mandate. And uh, that was the one where truckers suddenly had to get a vaccine to get across the border. So this one actually was a widely unpopular uh, policy. This was, um, you know, all across the trucking industry, grocers, you had um, you know, even food professors saying, like, this is going to disrupt supply chains. So you had a very unpopular policy. So initially it was reported, oh, they're, they're driving Ottawa to protest this. And then the organizers said, no, 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 no. We want a lifting of all mandates, all of the COVID mandates, all vaccine passports. If you lost your job due to not getting a vaccine, we, got, we want you reinstated. And then now you're having organizers um, who are saying, oh, it's beyond mandates now. It's, it's, you know, it's just about everything. We just, you know, hate the government. So anyway, where it gets really weird is that Canada Unity, uh, one of the groups that uh, helped form the convoy, they have a memorandum of understanding posted to their website. And this is sort of, it's written to look like a legal document. And it's basically their plan for how they're going to lift all these COVID mandates. And it's basically, it's bananas. Um, so they're saying once they arrive in Ottawa, they gridlock traffic. And then eventually the governor general calls them in for parley. And then uh, they call for effectively suspending Canadian government and replacing it with a public safety committee, uh, you know, like the French Revolution. And this public safety committee is formed with uh, the Senate, uh, the Governor General, Mary Simon, and whoever the truckers want to add to it. So this, you have this, you know, all unelected, unelected panel. All unelected. And then <laughs> they, are, they pass a bunch of decrees lifting all COVID. And then, you know, hopefully they get power back at the end and don't decide there's a bunch of other stuff they want to do. So effectively... I don't think they knew this when they drafted it, uh, but, you know, you're essentially calling for the end of 155 years of Canadian democracy. And what happens when, none of, of course, none of this is going to happen? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously, obviously, it's, it's very, obviously. When you have something like that on your website, because that's the thing, you, you, have, you, you could have a popular cause that could, if you just stuck to the cross-border vaccine mandate, you probably could have gotten that overturned. But yeah, when you have something that's, all you have to do, any politician, is like, oh, okay, well, that's crazy. I don't have to listen to this. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would say that sort of, you know, kicks out the legs of their protest. In all, the, all those groups that wanted it, they wanted a delay. They just thought that January 15th day was arbitrary. They knew the Americans were bringing it in too on the 22nd. They were saying, listen, can you just hold off for a little while while this Omicron thing passes by? Mm -hmm. Then we can, then we can put in this mandate. It's fine. We agree. Can you just delay it a bit? It wasn't, uh, anyways, it's been interesting. I just, I watch it. I think, you know, we're mad as hell. Of course. What do you want? We have no idea.
Um, so I think so a lot of the people, and to, full credit to the people joining, I think there are there is a constituency of people who, for very legitimate reasons, are are just angry at uh, at COVID strictures. It has affected yeah. them personally in a number of ways. Uh, and I do believe the protesters when they say most of us are are vaccinated, but that was our choice. So, we, you know, we don't like the idea of people being forced to take this. So I think a lot of people just drove in this, uh, go, entered this protest because they're like, you know, I'm I am mad. Uh, and this this is something I, I want to do uh, and didn't really look into the details of the organizers actually have this, you know, insane Fakaka plan to overthrow Canadian democracy. So I think when you're seeing the giant lines of trucks. I do not think those are people who are like, okay, we're going to go and, you know, take over the government. I was going to play this because there's been so much politics around this. And of course, depending on what, you know, depending on maybe what your politics are, you see the other side playing politics with this. I wanted to play what the prime minister had to say this week about the convoy. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are, uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. And before we move on, I also wanted to play what Aaron O'Toole tweeted yesterday about the very same issue, just to get a little compare and contrast. We've shifted our life. Most Canadians got the jab. We've all been trying to follow the rules. And this year started out just like last year, with lockdowns, with curfews, with division. And that's only getting worse. And the thousands of people coming here in the next few days... The trucker convoy is a symbol of the fatigue in our country right now. So there you go. Two very different takes on the very same convoy. The prime minister calling them a fringe uh, element and um, the leader of the opposition saying essentially these people are upset. So I just wanted to sort of sort through that a bit because clearly both of them can be right and both of them can be completely wrong. What do you make of the politics of this all? Uh, the politics, well, I think when Trudeau, uh, Trudeau feels politically safe and saying just, uh, you know, screw these people. Um, but that's something that's sort of supported by polls. And I, I brought that up in other reporting. I mean, you know, okay. rightly or wrongly, um, taking the screws to the unvaccinated is one of the most popular political issues in Canada uh, right now. And one of the most popular political issues I've seen ever. Uh, I mean, when this is put to polls, you're looking at like 70, 80 percent of Canadians are like, oh, yeah, tax the unvaccinated, fire them. I don't care. I hate these people so much. Um, so you do have it's it's a minority. It's, you know, four to five million people are unvaccinated in Canada and probably are not going to get the vaccine under any circumstances. This is something we knew uh, going into it uh, that you were going to have about 10%. This is what most countries are showing, like 90% get vaccinated and then you get 10% who for whatever reason do not. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's popular for Canadians to hate these. So Trudeau can say that and know that he's going to have most of the government on side. But uh, I mean, something that some of my colleagues have been bringing up is they're saying, uh, you know, there is there are millions of people who are really pissed off and eventually you have to uh, deal with that. Uh, you, you can't just brush it off. So they're like, you know, even if they're wrong, even if you don't agree with them, that's something you sort of... So I've been thinking a lot, actually, about Idle No More. That was, uh, if everybody remembers, yep. that was a massive Indigenous protest in 2012. And it kind of had a similar ending to this, 
Um, it was just a, a lot of people just like, yeah, I'm, I'm angry. Obviously I'm angry with the state of an indigenous affairs in Canada. I'm an indigenous person. This is obviously wrong. There's no drinking water. Um, so you had this sort of on to Ottawa type thing, like we're going to go to Ottawa and you know, bring it up. And it started with, you know, we're going to get this particular bill overturned. And then you had you know, all kinds of other people entering the movement, people speaking on its behalf who had nothing to do with it. And then by the time you actually got to Ottawa, it was just this massive amorphous pile of anger and there was no clear issue and it just kind of fizzled out and nothing came of it. Um, so yeah, and you could have seen that and said like, well, by the end, the demands made no sense and they were insane. We don't have to listen to this, but you know, at the end of the day, you did have thousands, tens of thousands of very legitimately angry indigenous people. And you have to wonder why that is. And you're going to have to address that at certain, some, at some yeah. point. And certainly Idle No More is always seen as being sort of a, uh, you know, some of an important moment in the move in the indigenous political movement in this country and what oh, yeah. it spurred even, even to today. What did you make of Aaron O'Toole though? Cause he seemed to be having a terrible time this week, trying to figure out how to, how to approach this. Cause you know, I, I, oh, I saw yeah, some tweets yeah, today. Yeah. From people within the conservative party is like, uh, yeah. because there were MPs who were like, yeah, go freedom convoy. And then, uh, you know, the more cautious, Types, you know, the suit wearers in the Conservative Party are like, really, really want to do that? What if this ends really poorly? Um, I mean, what if they gridlock traffic in Ottawa? Obviously, the government doesn't meet their demands, and this goes bad. Uh, you, you know, you have extremist elements who show up, and, and something goes wrong. You really want it on your record that you supported this freedom convoy. So, if if Conservatives have been hesitant to do that, so that's why when Aaron O'Toole was asked about it, he was like, "Oh, what's tr- truckers? Uh, hey, hey, there you go." Um, so. I, I think he's trying to strike a balance between, uh, you know, I had nothing to do with it if this goes uh, terribly wrong. But realizing that, uh, yeah, it, I, I, a lot of his constituency, a lot of the Conservative Party he represents, because uh, that's the thing, he's, you know, they're they're anti a lot. of. I think there is a base of support who, are, who think mandates have gone too far, uh, but they're just not to the point where they want all mandates lifted, you know, um, by some weird committee headed by the governor general in the Senate. Makes sense. The uh, uh, Aaron O'Toole tweeted out some photos today of him meeting with truckers and my colleague David Aiken of Global News in Ottawa tried to call his office to say, hey, well, where, where, where did this happen? Nothing. Apparently, I don't know if that's changed in the past few hours, but at the time it was like he, he did it and he vanished. So uh, <clears throat> I'm here with Tristan Hopper of the National Post. We talk convoy. Now let's talk conservatives. Are Aaron O'Toole's days numbered? The party held a retreat this week, took delivery of a report on the mistakes made in the last election um, by former Alberta MP James Cumming. What did you make of what was, uh, of, I mean, I know we didn't hear the whole thing, but what did you make of what was reported? And where do you think it leaves Aaron O'Toole right now? Yo, geez, I didn't see the report. I was, uh, you know, it seemed to be on this trucker convoy. But I, 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 I imagine um it's it's uh just gets back to the uh, the struggle which the air the conservatives have with air tool aaron o'toole uh, thus far um basically right. the uh the criticism of and it was weird because aaron o'toole when he ran for the conservative leadership he's like you know i'm I'm the real conservative all these other guys are just you know after power and they'll sort of you know uh waffle on any such issue and then when he actually becomes conservative leader he's one of the more waffly conservative leaders um certainly in my lifetime uh, that yeah. I could ever imagine. So I, the criticism of him is basically during the last election, um, he never really said anything particularly conservative. So, you know, honestly, uh, if you're just looking at like a, a middle of the road liberal prime minister like Jean Chrétien, 
Um, he's basically exactly the same as, as what Aaron O'Toole is saying. So, so you just imagine why people join the Liberal Party. You know, I like my guns, and I don't want liberals to take them. Um, he kind of waffled on that issue. Um, you know, I, I, I like uh, I, I like lower taxes. I like lower government spending. They had the most spending of any other uh, political party. Um, you know, I got into it. I don't like the carbon tax, uh, you know, status quo and the carbon tax. So so I, I think there's a bunch of people in the party like, well, what are we even doing here? You know, we are the conservative party. And the Liberal Party has a whole bunch of liberal stuff they want to do, uh, you know, whether that's on climate change, whether that was legalizing marijuana. Um, so they're like, why are we even showing up to, you know, conservative party headquarters when it all it seems is we just want to occupy power um, with a bunch of, you know, slightly different policies uh, from the liberals. So, I mean, that's that's I'm describing something that's been, you know, endemic within the party for the last 40, 50 years. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think the struggle is whether we keep this guy who's kind of middle of the road and isn't going to say anything dumb and he's not going to bother anybody. He's not going to freak anybody out in Toronto. Um, or do we actually go with an, an actual conservative guy who's, you know, maybe going to bring new people into the party because, you know, he's offering a different vision uh, than the status quo. One of the uh, criticisms was he had spent too much time in that studio they built in Ottawa, didn't spend enough time out on the road. So he was trying to do those teleconferences with voters and apparently they didn't work. So that was criticized. Speaking of people who may be looking for that job, um, I was going to play a clip of someone who's seems to be sort of considered by some in his own party as kind of their de facto leader, at least the voice of leadership these days. Um, Pierre Polyev. If you walk into a grocery store and you see products on the shelves, thank a trucker. If you walk into a grocery store and you see empty shelves, thank Justin Trudeau. Of course, that's patently untrue. But, you know, supply chains are complex. But anyway, uh, I was interested that some within the party actually sort of said, wow, that's leadership. And you can only read one thing into that is that if that's leadership, whatever the other guy wasn't saying wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Plenty ever is definitely the uh, the sort of yang to uh, Aaron O'Toole's yang. So you have Aaron O'Toole. Um, yeah, any direct question, he's like, oh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, so, yeah, he's sort of the old, old-fashioned I mean, this again, Aaron, Aaron O'Toole is, is, you know, doesn't like um, saying openly conservative things because it might, you know, alienate that, that broad mainstream of voters that they were looking for. So I guess what is is different about Wally Everett and what sort of attracts true blue conservatives to him is he, he comes out and says things that are going to get him yelled at on Twitter and are going to alienate uh, a bunch of people, you know, in the beaches neighborhood or in Kitsilano. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a, a different style. Um, so the thing is, it's, it's been a while since there's, there's been a conservative leader who acted like that. So you don't know if you bring in something like that, whether you're just going to have, you know, mass exodus from the party or, I mean, what I thought, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm here in Victoria, basically all my friends are, you know, incredibly left and, and liberal. Um, but every once in a while, when someone has like a conservative thought, they call me for some reason uh, because you know, I work for the National Post. Uh, so, you, you know, they, they have a, a problem with their union. Like, you know, I think unions have too much power. Don't tell anyone. Or, like, you know, some issue with schooling or, or something. And every issue they bring up to me, um, you know, I had this like six or seven issues that kept coming up. Whenever someone had a conservative thought, this this is the thing that potentially could cause them to vote conservative. It was all issues that Aaron O'Toole wasn't touching with a 10-foot pole. Um, so, you know, the argument in favor of a more conservative, con- conservative-y conservative leader 
um, is they're actually going to bring up those issues, even if they're uncomfortable um, and, you know, make new conservatives rather than just protect what they have and, you know, try and get a few swing voters around the GTA. Tristan, you're like you're like a lifeline in in Victoria. Call a conservative. You should should hand out a card, giving advice out. That's, uh, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Aaron O'Toole's in trouble. It's more of a people, confessional. I don't give advice. People just like don't tell anyone. But I had these awful thoughts. All right, back to my normal life. Um, the thing, I mean, I just think you look at O'Toole's position right now, and he's just in trouble. He can't really find, there is no middle ground. So he's having a hard time trying to straddle a line that doesn't really exist. And he just ends up sounding like he doesn't stand for much. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be in right now if you're a, if you're a federal party leader. So it's, uh, I did want to ask you about Neil Young and Joe Rogan, but we're kind of running out of time. Um, in a few minutes, Joni Mitchell's joined tonight. She's going to pull her music off Spotify or at least give them an ultimatum too. So we're going full CanCon off Spotify. What do you make of that? Was it kind of a, kind of a strange one? It was interesting to see because uh, Neil Young, I love this, the, the phrase he used. So Spotify, he wanted Joe, Joe Rogan, podcaster Joe Rogan taken off Spotify. So I think the phrase he used was like, you can have Young or you can have Joe Rogan, but you cannot have both. As if, you know, that was, but, but Spotify was such an easy decision. They were like, well, uh, you know, it's 11 million, uh, you know, listeners per episode on Joe Rogan. So, okay, I guess we're pulling the Neil Young catalog. And then what I love is Apple Music then came out and said, oh, we, the Neil Young catalog's right here. So if you're a Neil Young fan, go to Apple Music. So at the end of the day, he was trying to take some, like, you know, anti-corporate stance, and it just ended up enhancing, you know, Apple Music. So I don't know what he thought was going to happen. I don't think he cares. He lives on a ranch, you know, surrounded by, you know, antique vehicles. So uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Tristan Hopper, always a joy. Have a great weekend. Thank you.